you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Hey everybody, it is Wednesday, April 27, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we are on the clock. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Michael F. Florio is back uh, after taking a week off. We got Randy at the controls, and uh, one, welcome back. Um, how was how was Top Golf? You went to like the brand new, uh, you know, still has the new building smell, just a few miles from the beach. Top Golf in El Segundo. How was that? It was pretty awesome. I, I am not a golf person, but I went and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll I'll give golf a try again. I'm I'm not sure if golf is always <laughs> as fun as top golf, but you know, it was having some beer, eating food, and just teeing off on golf balls is not a bad way to spend an afternoon. Yeah, I will tell you, I'm not a golfer either, but I can tell you for a fact that when you play actual golf, um, you know, there's no light up screen that tells you how many <laughs> points you got. Uh, there are no servers bringing you wings and beers. Um, it's just you and a little white ball that mocks your every op your, your every action. Um, I don't know about you, like my I feel like every golf ball I hit is magnetically drawn to water. That's not <laughs> so. I I tried at first, just like 
I want to hit it as far as I can. And then I, I was not getting any points. So then I had to, uh, <laughs> I had to change up the strategy. Yeah. You have to go a little more finesse, right? Like, you know, it's not like, I don't know. You ever see that video of Mike Trout, like bombing them over the fence at, at top golf. <laughs> it's <laughs> not even fit. Like those poor people's cars or whoever is like, is after that net. Cause that ball was disappearing. Like, Just bought to the point that I think the people, uh, the employees had to get on the PA and say, please don't hit the ball over the net. <laughs> because <laughs> Mike Trout was just crushing them there. Um, all right. Well, as we start recording this podcast, we are approximately 31 hours away from the NFL beginning its uh, most recent employee onboarding process. That's uh, basically what the draft is. We're bringing new employees into the fold. Um, so we will obviously talk about the draft. Uh, we also have a cavalcade of fantasy stars, uh, some of our friends throughout the industry who are going to pop in uh, at random points throughout the pod and uh, give us their takes on who their favorite prospect is and where they would like to see that prospect go uh, to maximize his fantasy potential. So very excited. We got a, a bunch of names, some that I'm sure you are very familiar with, some that maybe you aren't, uh, in which case you can hopefully get a little bit more familiar with them as well. Plus, Florio and I will have some of our own draft takes as well, including uh, some of our preferred landing spots for guys and maybe uh, a few props. Uh, of what we think may happen over the next few days at the end. But uh, let's actually get started with a little bit of news, uh, some news that came down on Tuesday, and not totally surprising, but uh, it happened anyway. Melvin Gordon is going to stay in Denver. He re-signs with the Broncos for one year, uh, up to $5 million. So we can stop shoveling coal on the Javante Williams hype train engine. Uh I mean, now that Melvin Gordon is back, what does this do to Javante's ADP? I see that. That's a good question. What will happen? I don't know, because I'm seeing a lot of people on fantasy Twitter still hyping up all oh, the Javante Williams RB1 machine. And I, I don't think so. I think he should be valued more as a high end RB2. I think his upside is still very high if anything happens to Melvin Gordon. But last year, they each had 203 carries. I wouldn't be surprised if Javante edges out Melvin Gordon and gets more work on the ground. Um, and, and I still think they'll split a lot of work in the passing game with Javante having an edge there. But Melvin Gordon is really good at scoring touchdowns. He's a really good goal line runner. And if he's going to be getting those opportunities, it is naturally going to hurt Javante Williams. I think I would be comfortable taking him probably late second, early third maybe mid-second at the earliest, but if people are, are really pulling him up the board still, and this is a guy that I was taking mid-first before last night, so uh, if people are still pulling him up, I just won't have much Javante Williams this year, I think. I just, you know, I, I look at it in last year, he and Melvin Gordon were back-to-back -back in, in terms of fantasy scoring. They had a pretty even split between the two of them, and I don't see why that would change drastically this year with Melvin Gordon coming back I mean it, it was a successful a fairly successful strategy last year for the Broncos as you mentioned Gordon uh, very good at scoring touchdowns Melvin Gordon is still a good running back who I think still has some good years left in him so I just don't I, I understand we all love Javante Williams but I don't understand this belief that somehow he is just going to elbow Melvin Gordon aside become this huge RB1 prospect I would have bought it if Gordon had signed somewhere else, I'm not buying it with Gordon back in Denver. So I'm sort of with you. I mean, if if people insist on on pushing him up and drafting him in the first round, then I guess I'm just not I'm just not going to have Javante Williams. 
Uh, if we're talking about him more in like the third round, something like that, I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting. And I think, yeah, and, I think that's a little more reasonable. Yeah. And the thing is, like we've Nathaniel Hackett, I know, is a new coach there, but he has a history of using two running backs. It was always Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and then Aaron Jones and, and Dylan. And also with Russell Wilson in the mix now, I expect them to throw more. And I especially expect them to throw less to the running backs like Teddy Bridgewater last year was throwing to the running backs more almost more than any quarterback that's not going to happen with Russ no no it's it's really not it, and I did see you tweet about you know the the Russell Wilson dynamic there too um I mean for you what is the uh what is the bigger uh let's say the bigger drag on Williams production potentially is it is it having Melvin Gordon or is it just having a quarterback that can be more efficient getting the ball downfield I think it's Melvin Gordon is the bigger one, but the two going hand in hand is a big blow. Like if if it was just Javante, I think he would have saw enough groundwork and enough targets to still be a a high, an RB one and potentially a high end RB one. But now you have to worry about both of those things. It's just, to me, it's too many hurdles uh, to invest the first round pick on this guy. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's fair. And, And I'm, I'm very curious to see, you know, what, what happens in the next few weeks. Uh, people are still as excited about him as they were when we thought maybe Melvin Gordon was leaving. Who knows? Uh, in San Francisco, a little bit of news uh, coming out of San Francisco lately. In fact, uh, last week we had Matt Okada on and literally moments before we started recording the show uh, was the news uh, breaking that uh, Debo Samuel had asked for a trade. Uh, we'll definitely get to that in just a second. But first, I want to start George Kittle uh, very high on Trey Lance saying he has a quote insane ceiling and quote reminds me most of Josh Allen. That is high praise indeed, considering what we have seen from Josh Allen over the last few years, there was already a hype train building for Trey Lance. I was sort of hoping to draft him the way I drafted Jalen hurts sort of later in drafts. I feel like that might be going away. If people start buying into this whole Josh Allen narrative, does this push Trey Lance into the top 10 uh, quarterbacks in redraft leagues? For me, it's pretty borderline, actually, because I originally had him in my top 10 quarterbacks, but then I had to give a boost to Russell Wilson. I think he he gets a little boost there going to uh, the Broncos. I had to put, unfortunately, uh, for to some people, Deshaun Watson, I, I think, should be ranked ahead of him still. So for me, Trey Lance is like borderline top 10, it, it, like, in a group of like, I think Rodgers will go ahead of him, but like Stafford, Dak, Lance, I, I think could all go in the same range. But I, I, I'm really excited for Trey Lance. I, I like taking him similar to how you said, like a Jalen Hurts last year. Maybe you take him and you pair him with, uh, you know, one of those safer quarterbacks that go a little bit later, like Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr or someone like that. I, I think that would be a great strategy. The only thing I'm going to say is, Every mobile quarterback with a strong arm now gets compared to Josh Allen. That's just that's what it. Leek Willis is the new Josh Allen, and and Trey Lance, and and come on, guys. Yeah, I mean, like not everybody can be Josh Allen, right? Um, yeah, obviously we have a lot of high hopes. We have a very big expectation for uh, for Trey Lance and what he can be in this offense. Like I, the hype train, like I said, is already rolling. I think if people really start buying into this and, and who knows, look, we'll get to June and July and there's not much happening. And you know that that is fantasy hot take silly season. Like we really might see people sort of pushing that narrative. I would tend to stay away from it, but you know, I, I also tend to be more of a, uh, a skeptic and, and a little more cautious about these sorts of things. But 
staying in San Francisco, I mentioned Debo Samuel last week sort of shook up the world by reportedly requesting a trade. Uh, 49ers general manager John Lynch says they can't imagine trading Debo Samuel, which I think was sort of the part that a lot of us glossed over. It's it's one thing for Debo to request a trade. That doesn't mean the 49ers have to honor it. You know, like my kid always requests snacks. I don't necessarily give him a snack every time he asks for one. Um, but let's just you know, let's play hypothetical. I mean, is, is, would there be a better landing spot for fantasy out there for Debo than he's got right now in San Francisco? I don't think so. I, I think he's on a team right now that built their offense around him and uh, is the best off like the 49ers offense every year. If they don't lead the league in, in yak, they're like top two, top three. So they they've built an offense around Kittle and Debo. And we saw last year, I mean, you took Debo like he literally was playing like Wolverine out there like every play <laughs> he would get injured and then he would just limp off and be back out there the next snap and it was just like this guy knew how important and how that he was their offense there so I as much as I think uh like Debo is the perfect player for their offense I think this offense is the perfect one for Debo I mean I, I'm with you I, I think it's it's interesting, though, that every team in the league, or at least a lot of them, seem to be on the hunt for the quote-unquote next Debo Samuel, which made it interesting when there was a chance that maybe the real Debo was out on the market. But I just, it just feels like the perfect marriage of player and offense to, to get them together. Now, you know, who knows if he really is unhappy about his role or if it's a money thing or what the situation is. Fittingly enough, maybe Debo knows when we record. I don't know because he just tweeted literally about 10 minutes ago. Uh, it says, too real to entertain half the stuff y'all be saying, but it do be funny though. Everybody want their voice to be heard about a situation they know nothing about and just be saying whatever the next person say. Have a blessed day with the peace <laughs> sign emoji at the end of it. Uh, so uh, Debo sort of speaking cryptically, basically saying that uh, all of us who are, are jabbering about him don't really know what's happening. It's probably fair. <laughs> he he himself has not wavered though on this whole like I'm not gonna be here next year. Like for a while, I was like, oh, he's doing it because he wants to get paid and he wants them to tell him they'll change his role and everything will be happy after that. But like he hasn't really wait. Like there was a video of him at a club this week mm-hmm. and like a bunch of bottle girls came out. You know, they got like their sparklers and they had a sign that said. Debo is staying hashtag 49ers and then the camera pans over to Debo and he's just like nope I like it's, it was like a Magic Johnson like I'm not gonna be here moment uh see that, that's kind of interesting right because so now Debo's saying he doesn't want to be in San Francisco I mean we've got the continually weird Kyler Murray situation where he's trying to get a deal and says he may not play if he doesn't get something he likes um it's just it's very very weird uh speaking of which though and I thought about this. So Debo requests a trade. We'll see whether or not the 49ers decide to do that. But this offseason, we've seen Devontae Adams get traded. Uh, we've seen Tyreek Hill get traded. Uh, you know, there was talk that apparently seems to have died that Kadarius Tony. I'm not trying to put Kadarius Tony on the same <laughs> level as Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill. So I don't, you know, I don't want people thinking that or Debo Samuel. But, you know, there was a talk that the Giants might be looking to move him. That seems to have sort of died down a little bit. But you generally don't see this many trades. You don't see this many wide receivers traded. You certainly don't see this many high-level wide receivers traded. Have we reached – I'm not going to say we're, we're not at – we're not at, you know, hashtag wide receivers don't matter quite level, but it does feel like 
we're sort of reaching critical mass and that maybe teams aren't valuing wide receivers the same way they did a few years ago. I see. I actually view it. The, I, I think wide receivers are more valuable now than, than ever. And, and I think the reason why so many of them are getting moved is because they want close to quarterback money and there's teams out there willing to give it to them. I, I think to me, the most interesting thing of the, what's going to happen in the next couple of years is going to be, can teams pair an elite wide receiver with an elite quarterback? Because we've seen the Chiefs and Packers go in one way where they paid their quarterback and they said, listen, we, the Packers tried to pay Devontae Adams, but the Chiefs were just like, we can't afford you, Tyreek Hill. The Bills did it the other way. They they locked up their quarterback and receivers. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, and then like Le'Veon Bell the other day came out and, and said, like, if you're that athletic like Debo, you shouldn't play running back. And I, I know you talk about it a lot. I think we're going to start to see more and more wide receivers expect to get that huge payday. And I'm also wondering then if another position is going to get devalued. Will it be tight end? Will it be because like that's what happened to running back. So I think it'll happen some other position. But just wait till Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are <laughs> are going to get paid because those guys are going to get close to quarterback money. I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of wide receivers around the league who were excited about Christian Kirk's deal because of what it potentially meant for them. And I think if you're Justin Jefferson, if you're Jamar Chase, uh, you've got to be salivating at what it potentially means for you when and if you get to a point that you can hit free agency. Uh, I do think the point you made, though, about pairing quarterbacks and receivers, y- you wonder whether or not you're going to see teams with rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks i should say that are still on their rookie deals and maybe trying to pair them with elite wide receivers if you've got a quarterback you think is your guy is your franchise guy why not put him uh with a high-priced receiver and see if you can sort of maximize that value early in your quarterback's career because yeah if if wide receiver salaries continue to escalate this way it's going to be hard to try to figure out how to pay an elite level quarterback and an elite-level wide receiver, which is going to be difficult. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, the Panthers say they do not expect to trade for Baker Mayfield before the first round of the draft. Now, you know, that means they could do it, say, Friday, <laughs> because that would be uh, after the first round of the draft. It could be, you know, who knows, weeks down the road. It could maybe never happen. But uh, Baker Mayfield's still hanging out there. Jimmy Garoppolo is still hanging out there in San Francisco. Uh, do one or both of these guys eventually get traded before the season starts? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them do, but I, I definitely think Baker's going to be traded. Like the Browns, they they got their their 10-year guy of the future, uh, and it's been very sour with Baker. He's on a one-year deal. He's still young, for uh, first overall pick a few years ago. I think there'll be a team out there that can convince themselves like, to give Baker a chance. We could fix him. We could be the one where he lives up to his potential. And the Browns are probably going to eat some money. And if that happens, Baker's not super expensive for a one-year flyer. That's the thing. So I think you're looking at you have two very different guys, right? You've got Baker, who has been okay. He's been spectacular, I think, in his career. But he's a young guy who's still you know, reasonably affordable. On the flip side, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo, who has gotten to a Super Bowl, who helped the 49ers get to the NFC Championship game last year. So in some ways, he feels like a guy who can maybe help you get, if not over the hump, pretty close to over the hump. But he's 30. uh, He's got a huge contract and he's just coming off of shoulder surgery. So I think it really sort of depends on what you want, what you're looking for. 
is is one or either of those guys you think a better fit in Carolina? I I would say Baker just because he's younger and and to be honest, I I really want to see Baker versus Sam Darnold, uh, the two quarterbacks taken ahead of Josh Allen in the 2017 draft. Like <laughs> that would just be funny to me. Um, but I, I, to me, it really feels like Carolina and Seattle are are the two options for these two quarterbacks. Yeah, I feel like that too. And if if I'm the 49ers. Uh, I would prefer to send Jimmy to Carolina. I don't know if I want to deal with him twice a year. Uh, you know, again, not that he's, you know, he's not Russell Wilson, but you know, the last thing you want to do is trade away a guy that can help your division rival uh, potentially beat you at some point. Uh, by the way, the Panthers are still holding on to this idea that they like Sam Darnold. I don't know if they really mean it, but they keep saying it out loud. So take that for what it's, it's worth. It's one of those things. Are they trying to convince us or themselves? Right. Yeah, who knows? Because like, <laughs> no, no, I don't think any of us are convinced that Sam Darnold is the guy, but the Panthers keep saying it over and over and over again. So maybe they are, uh, I don't know, trying to hypnotize us into, uh, into believing that Sam Darnold is the guy. Um, all right. Let's pivot, though, into our draft preview. As I mentioned, uh, we got some of our friends from around the industry to jump in and uh, give us some of their takes on who they like in this draft and where they would like to see that particular player land. So we'll hit you with the first of our draft previews. My favorite draft prospect is Sky Moore, and I'll give you an opportunity to go Google him right now. Let's be honest, we don't sit here and watch a lot of Western Michigan games. That's not something that we do. But over the last couple of weeks, I've gone in, watched a little bit of the film. It's YouTube highlights. So listen, I'm not going to get crazy. So I'm not, listen, I'm not Chad Reuter or Daniel Jeremiah or any one of those guys. But as I'm watching him, I see that this is a player who can be a very valuable wide receiver. And I would like to see him go to the Kansas City Chiefs and just put him in the slot. And I will overhype this guy like he's the second coming of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I will go out there and overdraft him and do it. And then you guys can come flame me on Twitter all over again. But listen, Sky Moore is my guy. Hey, what's going on, man? It's Lawrence Jackson Jr. from NBC Sports Edge. You can find me on any social media platform at Lord Don't Lose. Yeah, so I would like to see the Texas A&M running back, Isaiah Spiller, right, end up on the Houston Texans. I hope they grab him in the second or third round. A lot of folks done slept on him through the draft process because he don't run the fastest 40 as Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. I would like to see him get in there for the Houston Texans, run with that young offense and that young quarterback, become that bell cow running back, and then Everybody going to be on them in fantasy football 2022 and beyond. Kate Maju here from Ball Blast Fantasy Football and DraftKings Nation to talk to you about one of my favorite draft prospects in this class, quarterback Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. The hype train is strong with rushing quarterback Malik Willis, but I think we should consider Desmond Ritter a potential huge value in the later rounds of our fantasy drafts. With Desmond Ritter, you are looking at a killer athlete who ranked in the 92nd percentile or better in the 40-yard dash, vertical jump, and broad jump at this year's combine. He was asked to orchestrate a pro-style offense with the Cincinnati Bearcats that I think is going to translate really well at the next level. Doesn't have a perfect throwing motion, and accuracy can be an issue, but I think from a mental perspective, this is one of the best quarterbacks in this class and one of the most pro-ready guys you're going to find. When we pair the decision-making 
with the athleticism and the upside as a rusher. I think there's no better value among the quarterbacks in this class. Send him over to the Seattle Seahawks where you've got two wide receivers that can compensate for some of those accuracy issues. You've got a potential quarterback one on your hands. What's going on, guys? Jordan Richards here, co-host of Wake Up with Ray G. And I'm here to tell you who my favorite draft prospect is this year. And it's wide receiver out of Alabama, Jamison Williams. Now, we know that Jamison Williams is a deep threat. He can blow the top off a cover two defense, but he's more than just that. He can do it after the catch, and he's a great overall wide receiver. Don't get it twisted. And my dream landing spot for him is to go to the Jets at four or 10. Now, we've seen the success of top 10 draft picks over the past two seasons with Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, and others. But for me, Jamison Williams could be the next superstar for the Jets. We know that they were in the market for a wide receiver trying to trade for Tyreek Hill. There's rumors of Debo Samuel potentially getting traded there. So we'll see. But if I wanted to place my bets on any player in this class, it would be Jamison Williams because I truly believe he is the most explosive playmaker in this class, especially at the wide receiver position. I understand the ACL injuries. I understand people are worried that he didn't break out till he went to Alabama. But when he got there and stepped on the field, Miami could not stop him. And so for me, He's my guy in this class. He's my favorite prospect, and I want to see him go to the Jets at four, hopefully, but I will settle for number 10. All right. Uh, thank you to Adam Rank, Lawrence Jackson, Kate Majuk, and Jordan Richards. We'll have more a little bit later on in the show. We'll take a quick break, though. We'll come back, and uh, Florio and I will start to run through some of our draft predictions as well next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. 
And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me. 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps. In the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. All right, so let's get into this a little bit uh, with a segment I'm calling uh, You Love to See It. So it's uh, I, I got uh, a handful of categories here. I got QB1, RB1, wide receiver 1. I didn't put tight ends in here just because, you know, it's it's not very often that tight ends make a major impact. I mean, yes, Kyle Pitts, sure. We're not running up on Kyle Pitts this year in the draft. So uh, let's start with who is your QB1 in this draft class and where would you like to see that player go? My QB1 is Malik Willis um, uh, for fantasy and for real life. I just think he's got the most upside. He, If anyone is going to be this year's Josh Allen, I think it's Malik Willis. He's got the cannon of an arm, and he can run. like He's like a, a when he runs, I, it's like a hybrid of Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. He's that good of a runner. And I think his preferred landing spot, Seattle. Like th- that is a, it would be a top 10 selection for him. He has DK, Tyler Lockett, Rashad Penny there, uh, uh, some weapons he can kind of utilize. And then we know Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. He let Russell Wilson run a good amount when he was a young quarterback. Malik Willis has more size too. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if he kind of let him run wild. I-, I think that would be the best spot for him to not only get an opportunity year one, but put him in a chance to be a really useful fantasy piece in year one. So I'm with you on Malik being the, the QB one just because the ceiling is so high. I think I think in some ways it's comparable to what we saw with Trey Lance last year, where he is probably the most raw 
of the top level quarterback prospects, but he's also the guy that has the highest the highest ceiling because of all the physical tools that he has. Um, and so I, I think right now, I mean, I think you look at the guys who are probably more pro ready. I mean, I think, you know, maybe Kenny Pickett's a little bit more pro ready. Desmond Ritter's probably a little bit more pro ready, uh, you know, those kind of guys. But I think, I think Malik Willis, if he, if he's able to put it all together, I think is the guy who has the potential for the biggest, most successful career of them. Um, where I'd like to see him go. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in Atlanta. I think, I think, you know, they're sitting at number eight. Maybe that's a little bit higher than I think people will feel comfortable taking Willis right now. Plus, realistically, I think the Falcons are probably more locked in on taking a wide receiver. Uh, you know, they've got Marcus Mariota at quarterback, and and Mariota's a nice stopgap. I think he can fill the seat well for a year, two at the absolute most if you need him to. They need to figure out somebody who can catch the football beyond just pits. So I, I think they probably end up taking a wide receiver, but if they want to think outside the box and try to figure out how to uh, move on from the Matt Ryan era, um, I think Willis would be a really, really interesting pick. Um, you know, I'm not going to say he's Michael Vick because uh, Michael Vick, uh, one, was incredible talent, but also in terms of what he meant in the city of Atlanta, it was kind of a transformative figure, and that's that's a lot to put on anybody. <laughs> so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that, but. Uh, I mean, the fact that he gives you some more mobility, uh, he gives you that athleticism and maybe, maybe, you know, the fact that he can run covers up the fact that he doesn't have a ton of targets to throw to right now. So I wouldn't mind seeing him there. Don't think it's going to happen though. So, uh, all right. So that gets us to the RB one. Who is your RB one, uh, in this draft and, and where should he go? For me, it's Brees Hall, and I don't think it's close at all. Like he, he is by far my number one RB in this class. He's the only one I think that has a shot of going in the first round, but that would likely be to the Bills at twenty-five, and I'm not so sure they're going to do it. I, I actually, I wouldn't mind seeing him there, but I really would like to see him in Houston. Like we, we spoke the last time. Uh, before I took last week off, about how Houston just really has Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead, and that's it. <laughs> and how one of those guys could be a really useful fantasy piece on volume alone. But if Brees Hall goes there, I, I think a workload similar to what Najee Harris had last year is very much so in play. And I, I tweeted the other day, I, I did a best ball draft, and he went fourth in the fourth round. And I was like, if this guy lands in the right spot, I think second round is, is where he'll go. And if he lands on Houston... We might even have people trying to push him up into the late first round, similar to what happened with Najee Harris last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in lockstep with you about Brees Hall being number one and and him going to. I think Houston's a better spot. You know, I keep hearing Buffalo at twenty five. I, I know that you know, taking a first round running back is not it's not the cool hip thing to do. It's not what the kids are doing right now. Uh, also. I still like Devin Singletary and I was, I was happy to see Devin Singletary start to get more opportunity late in the season last year. And I just want to see what he could do. If you sort of extend that across uh, the full spectrum. I also know that, you know, not taking breeze hall would probably make Zach Moss a little bit happier because uh, I think he would end up being sort of the odd man out in that group. So I, I think Houston is a better spot. I think just for, the sake of conversation so that we're not saying the same thing all the time. I think Kenneth Walker is also in this, this conversation potentially uh, as the RB one. And, and I wouldn't mind seeing him, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know where he fits necessarily. Um, 
I guess the thing about running back though now is because they're not taking him in the first round and because everybody's sort of platooning running backs, uh, it's a little bit easier to kind of find a slot for some guys. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe he goes to a place like the Giants. Um, you know, I know they're not, there was rumors that they were going to trade Saquon. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think they want to try to get out from underneath that in the near future. Maybe Walker can, can sort of help there. Uh, I don't see any easy, easy landing spots for, for Kenneth Walker though, beyond, beyond that. A lot, a lot of these running backs are going to mess up uh, situations that we feel good about right now. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh look, this guy's going to get, and then like, they're going to draft like, like Washington might draft a running back and we're going to be like, Oh, this is awful. For Antonio Gibson. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe look. As I, I'm speaking here, maybe maybe um, New Orleans. Um, I know Alvin Kamara is still there, and, and he's still very very good. But Williams would be a good pairing with him too. I think. Yeah, I think I just think at some point they gotta they gotta give him some help too. Uh, that offense. I'm not. I have no idea what to make of the Saints' offense for next year. But they got Jameis back. So and Michael Thomas and Michael Thomas. If, if he you know decides to play football this year. Right. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, all right. So they get speaking of Michael Thomas, your wide receiver one. This one, I think, is more of an interesting conversation. Uh, who's your wide receiver one and where do you want to see him go? I, I think you will like this. This wide receiver is the closest of all for me, like mm-hmm. quarterback and running back. I have a slam dunk one for me at wide receiver. It, it's Drake London. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's my wide receiver one. But Jamison Williams is right there with him. I, I think they're very different players, though. So like they kind of it comes down to what a team needs but i would love to see london go play for the falcons like you said they need a wide receiver in in a big way and i think you get him and kyle pitts there you kyle pitts is kind of a de facto wide receiver one already now you have two guys who uh, are are big you could use them downfield you could use them in the red zone it's easier to find especially in this draft class like quick speedsters who could either be like a flanker or a slot guy you could find that in the later rounds but there's very few alphas walking in looking like they could legitimately go play in the nba if they wanted to and drake london is one of those guys uh i mean obviously nobody's gonna be surprised when i say that drake london is my my <laughs> wide receiver one uh and I'm, I'm saying this i'm saying this objectively i mean i am you know got my my cardinal and gold colored glasses on but uh, i do believe he's the, the top wide receiver in this in this draft I think a good spot for him, even though it's not necessarily attractive, is the Jets. Um, I think you know, so they, too. They've they've got Elijah Moore, and I, and I think I think he's going to develop into something good. But I think you add a big body guy like Drake London, somebody that can be uh, a good big target for Zach Wilson, especially down near the goal line in the end zone. I think that really changes a lot in that offense. You know, I know that you know, Bucky Brooks, for instance, has sort of talked about trying to build an offense or build a wide receiver room specifically sort of like a basketball team where, you know, you get to your power forwards and you get your point guards. And I think, you know, Moore is, is sort of one of your guards. You can use London potentially as a forward uh, to kind of, you know, create space and box out a little bit and, and try to get you those points in the paint. So uh, I think, I think he fits there. And I think, you know, at number 10, I think it's a, it's a good spot for him to land. I think the Jets, uh, they got two picks in the top 10. I, I expect at four, I know the talk is Sauce Gardner, um, who's just a lights-out defensive back, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that at four. But to come back around and maybe get Drake London at 10, I think is a really good fit for this tell, offense. Tell me if you think I'm crazy, because I put this out on Twitter a couple weeks ago, and it was mixed reviews, but last year we were saying Elijah Moore, this explosive slot receiver who can move out wide as well. Drake London reminds me a lot of Mike Evans. Like, it feels like the Jets would have their own version of Godwin and Evans. Maybe 
albeit not as good yet, but like it feels like that's what they would be building. I mean, I think that's what, yeah, I think that's the goal, right? Is to try and build something like that. I know the the London Evans comp uh, has been all over the place. And yeah, maybe, um, you know, now they just need to find a Tom Brady equivalent. <laughs> <to play the laughs> <football>. Easier <laughs> said than done, uh, trying to find somebody like Tom Brady. Uh, all right. So now that we've gotten through those, who do you currently have as your Dynasty 1.01, the number one pick in Dynasty uh, in both Superflex and 1QB leagues? Maybe it, it, it provided it's different. It might be the same guy. Who knows? Uh, no, it would be very different. In Superflex, it would be a quarterback, and my number one quarterback is Josh Allen. He's still young. He can run. He can throw. So he would be my 101 in that format. In one quarterback leagues, I I'm more likely to wait on that position. So for me, it would be Jamar Chase. This this guy is so young. He's tied to what could be a superstar quarterback for probably the next decade. And, and I think his biggest competition to be the 101 is Justin Jefferson, and I get it. Uh, but the only difference for me is Jefferson, I believe, is a year older. And Kirk Cousins is on a two-year deal, whereas Joe Burrow and Chase are probably going to be together for the next decade plus. So for me, uh, it would be Chase and I and and Allen and Superflex. And I don't see any way at all that the draft could change that. So the draft's not going to change that at all. All right. Um, I assume for rookie drafts, what, Malik Willis, you're 101 in, uh, in Superflex leagues? And and Brees Hall would be in, in one quarterback league. One quarterback league. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that makes that makes the most sense. We're always wanting running backs, especially in one quarterback leagues and super flex. Malik Willis seems to have all those uh, all those traits that we really love. So uh, none of those are a really big surprise uh, for me at a point at this point. Uh, all right, that seems like a good spot to get to our second round of draft previews. We got four more coming up for you. Uh, some folks that uh, you may be very familiar with. So take a listen. What's happening, NFL fantasy fans? I don't know if you got a name, so I'm going to call you. The Fantastics. What's going on, people? This is Mike, the Fantasy Hitman Wright from the Fantasy Footballers Podcast. I want to talk to you about a running back prospect that I am falling in love with. Tyler Algier out of BYU. Why? Well, he's 5'11", 220 pounds. I like that for, for, for my running backs. Also, the production profile. Two straight years, over 1,100 yards. This past season, 1,600 rushing yards. And 23, yes, I did not say that incorrectly, 23 rushing touchdowns. We're talking about 36 rushing touchdowns combined the past two seasons. That's what I want to see out of a big body running back. Ran a 4-6. Eh, I'd like it to be a little bit faster, but honestly, when I'm watching on film, he seems a little bit faster than that. He seems like a big, strong, powerful guy. I'm not sure he's going to have the draft capital that we really desire out of our rookies when we're making those selections, like a day two pick, but... It doesn't matter. These day three guys, they become sneaky in the second round, even the third round of your rookie drafts. And these guys are really important because they may not be a day one impact player, but guys like Jamal Williams out of BYU himself. Look, that guy has had actual real production and been valuable for you, team. And you didn't have to spend that draft capital, that first round rookie pick on him. I expect Tyler Algier to be part of a strong running back committee and when his number is called in the pros, I do believe that he will give you some big spike weeks. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Troy, a.k.a. T-King Mode. And my favorite prospect in this year's draft is Jahan Dotson, wide receiver out of Penn State. Reasons why I like him is that he's an excellent route runner. He has great ball skills. He's versatile. And he's able to separate. 
He's also being undervalued. In terms of rookie draft, he's going in around the second round of rookie drafts for fantasy purposes. So to me, I believe that he's one of the best wide receivers in this class. In terms of where I want to see him go, I want to see him go to either the Chiefs or Packers. Like, yeah, obviously they have great quarterbacks, but they also have a need. And I believe that his skill set would help both of those teams and he will have the most upside going to either one of those teams. Jahan Dotson, he's a lot. Let's go. Hey, I'm Bob Harris from Football Diehards and Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Heading into the 2022 NFL Draft, we know there are a number of highly regarded wideouts. There is, however, no Jamar Chase, the consensus superstar at the position last year. That said, there was no Chase in 2020, yet we still got Justin Jefferson. So the goal for me is looking for a player capable of emerging as a primary weapon early on. I'm looking for size, speed, and versatility. Drake London definitely has two of those three attributes. At 6'4", 219 pounds, he checks the size box. We know he can play inside or outside, but we're not sure exactly how fast he is 40-wise. We do know, though, he was fast enough to rack up over 2,000 receiving yards in three years at USC, including a 1,000-yard season in just eight games before suffering the fractured ankle that kept him from showing that speed at the Combine in his pro day workouts. I love a big physical target in London as that. The draft next tell me he's an underrated route runner and he could well be one of the first receivers off the board. The Jets picking 10th overall and Washington drafting one spot after that are possible destinations that would allow London to shine. Michelle Majuk here from Ball Blast Fantasy Football and researcher at the NFL Network. My favorite sleeper draft prospect in this class is Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver out of South Alabama. He's a big dude, 6'1", 194 pounds. He has long arms, 10-inch hands, and he can be used all over the field, in the slot, on the outside, as a deep threat, as an intermediate threat. He can take it a, a short pass and bring it all the way to the house. I think a great landing spot for him would be the Bears in the second round. Darnell Mooney is great for the Bears, yes, but Justin Fields needs more reliable weapons in this offense, and Tolbert can come in and be a 100-plus target guy in year one. Tolbert led the FBS in receiving yards over the last two seasons, and I see nothing in his profile to say that he's going to slow down anytime soon. All right. Thanks to Mike Wright, Troy King, Bob Harris, Michelle Majuk. Uh, we still have a few more that uh, we will end the show with. So, uh, But let's get to some draft props, some things that we think may happen that could potentially be a little bit interesting uh, as we watch over the next few days. Um, let's start. How many picks down do we get until we get our first offensive skill position player? This is a hard one. Um, I, I'm going to say eight, though. I think the Falcons will take the first offensive uh, skill position player because I think we'll get a lot of old linemen and, and obviously edge rushers. Sauce Gardner could be in there. The Panthers are the interesting one at six, but the fact that after pick six, they don't have another pick till 137 in the fourth round leads me to believe that they might actually trade down, especially if they're they're on record saying they like multiple quarterbacks in this class. So I'm going to bank on them trying to get a couple extra picks and trading down a little bit in the first round. I'm going to say it's six. I'm going to say the Panthers do it. They pull the trigger at six uh, for a number of reasons. One, the way they're talking up Sam Darnold. I mean, <laughs> you said it earlier, right? Who are they trying to convince? They're trying to convince us. They're trying to convince themselves. And part of me thinks... This is them saying, we like Sam. We think he's still got something. Maybe to see if they can spur up some trade some trade talks, right? They talk about all the quarterbacks that they like, see if they can kind of get something happening. So far, and, and look, I know this is smokescreen season, but so far it just doesn't seem like 
a lot of teams are looking to make deals right now. And that could that could all change once we get to Thursday, right? We could, <clears throat> excuse me, we could get a lot of teams uh, ready to pull the trigger on some deals. But, you know, the Jaguars saying they're having a tough time getting any takers with the number one pick. Um, you know, it's like a lot of teams it's kind of kind of throwing out scenarios. And I just get this feeling that the Panthers are going to try their hardest to see if they can trade down. Nothing's going to happen. They're going to be on the clock. They're going to panic and they're going to take like Kenny Pickett. <laughs> like that is <laughs> that is my prediction. They're going to That's get very to, likely. They're going to get to six. Nothing's going to happen. They're going to panic. They're going to. I mean, this is a regime like, since David Tepper took over with Matt Rule at, at head coach. I mean, it just they just can't get out of their own way. They continually just shoot themselves in the foot, and it just feels like a panic pick at six would be them taking Kenny Pickett, putting him in a quarterback uh, competition with Sam Darnold and not really seeing great results out of the whole scenario. So uh, that's what I'm going to say six before we get one. I, I think it's very like pick it probably a six if they don't trade back. Yeah. So uh, which brings you to the next question. So I know who your QB one is that you like Malik Willis as the number one quarterback overall, but who is the first quarterback taken and how many do you think go in the first round? So it, it all comes down to the Panthers, but if they don't trade out of that sixth spot, I think the first quarterback taken is Kenny Pickett. And that makes me happy because I, I again, I, I'm high on Malik Willis. I don't trust the Panthers to be the team that gets the most out of him. I'm also pretty worried about Kenny Pickett. Uh, he had one good year and it came as a fifth year starter when they got more talent around him. Um so I don't know how well that'll translate at, at the NFL level, but I'll go with Kenny Pickett as the first quarterback off the board. Um, I think we see at least three quarterbacks in the first round. I know a lot of people are are saying this is a down draft class for quarterbacks, and there's been rumors that there might be one and we might see a long wait. But if the Panthers take one at six, I don't think there's any way Malik Willis falls further than 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers sitting there. So I think if those two guys go within the first 20 picks, we'll have at least one team take another quarterback late. Like like we saw the Ravens jump back in in 2018 draft to get that 32nd pick to grab Lamar because that fifth-year option is so important on a quarterback that it's more it's much more valuable to get him at 31 or 32 than even like 34. Um, so because of that, I wouldn't be surprised if either the Lions maybe at 32 take one or if the Lions trade back with the team like, Maybe the Falcons and they take Ritter or someone like that. Like, I think we see three at least go in the first round tomorrow. Yeah, I've got three. Uh, like I said, I've, I got Kenny Pickett as the first one off the board because the Panthers make a panic pick. Uh, so he's the first quarterback that comes off the board. I think, I think you got three. I think you got Pickett. I think you got Willis. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions maybe go Desmond Ritter or something like that uh, in that, that last pick uh, in the first round. Because as you mentioned, that, that potential fifth year uh, is really, really enticing. Uh, and, and look, I think we all know Jared Goff is not the long-term solution there in Detroit. He's again, he's a, he's a seat filler and I think they're going to start looking toward the future. And I think this is, maybe this isn't the year where you find that franchise quarterback, but why not take a swing at it uh, with that last pick in the first round and, and see if that can happen. Um, so we'll see. Uh, all right. Similar question. Who is the first wide receiver taken and, uh, and how many of those go in the first round? I think the first one is both of our number one guy. I think it's Drake London. Uh, I, I think he goes no later than 10 to the Jets overall. I think we're I think we're locked to see at least four. Like Jamison Williams is going to go. Uh, both of the Ohio State guys, Olave and Wilson, are going to go. I 
I'm going to say five. I think Trey Burks goes in the first round as well, but I would not be surprised if the number's even higher. Like if we see a potential sixth wide receiver slide in late in the first round, because the team's late, the Chiefs, the Packers, like they need wide receivers. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see six, but I, I think we see at least five going the first round. So as much as I think Drake London is the, he's my number one wide receiver in this class. I think it's Garrett Wilson that goes first. I think, I think he goes eight to the Falcons. Like, like I said, I, I would love to see the Falcons maybe take a shot at Malik Willis at eight, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think they go and they get Garrett will uh, Garrett Wilson um, just because I, we've talked about it on this show. Not all that long ago, this offense had Matt Ryan, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Now they have none of those guys. And I think what they like to do is, find as close a replacement to Ridley as they can. And and Wilson is closer to that uh, Calvin Ridley mode than than uh, Drake London is. So I think I think he's the first one off the board at eight. I think London comes off the board maybe a couple picks later at 10 to the Jets. Um, and I'm going to say I'm going to go big. I'm going to say we get seven wide receivers Ooh. in this first round. I think we get Wilson. You know, we get Jameson Williams. We get London. Uh, we get Olave. Uh, I think I think somebody's going to talk themselves into to Traylon Burks. I think I think George Pickens maybe slides in there late as well. Um, but I do I I think I think we're going to get seven wide receivers in this first round, which will be fun because like I have sort of been telling myself that this is not going to be a very fantasy friendly uh, first round. But you know, look, if we get seven wide receivers, we get three quarterbacks. Um, you know, maybe there's a chance. I was going to ask, I mean, I was going to ask my next question was, do you think we see a, a running back drafted in round one? And you sort of said you think so, but it's it's not a lock. Um, I, I mean, if, I'm it's leaning, Brees Hall if there is one, right? Yeah, I'm leaning no, because I think if, if a team was to take Hall, I think it would be the Bills. And, and if you asked me a week ago, I would have said I think that was the pick. But the closer we get to the draft, the more I think that they're going to go with a cornerback, especially because Trey White isn't healthy to start the year. So... I think Hall will fall to the early. Like I think he'll be one of the top like five picks on on day two, because uh, there's teams like the Falcons and and the Texans, and then any team that sees him fall out of round one could easily jump up, like the Broncos did last year mm-hmm. to grab Javante Williams. I I think that uh, more so happens to Hall because. I think there's going to be on the offensive side of it. I think there's going to be more receivers and quarterbacks than people expect. Yeah, I I mean I think, but I think this is where your your wish, uh, I guess, that that Breeze Hall lands in Houston. I think it, it fits perfectly because, uh, you know, he, he misses the first round, but Houston has the fifth pick in the second round. So it wouldn't be a surprise if we if we hear his name called pretty early on Friday instead of uh, hearing it called late on Thursday. I, I don't think we're going to see a first round running back. Um, you know, I, that's starting to become the norm that, you know, that we only get you know maybe one. Or, or no running backs in the first round. That's kind of becoming the way things are going in the draft. And, uh, you know, this is not a class that's gotten a whole lot of hype at the running back position either. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see that happen there. So, uh, all right. Now that we've gotten through those, um, we'll take one more, one more round. We got uh, four more of our draft previews from uh, some of our fantasy friends around the industry. Uh, so we'll listen to those. Then we'll uh, come wrap up the show. Take a listen. 
What's up, you ducks? Jake Seeley from The Athletic, and I have my absolute favorite wide receiver in Drake London this year, but because it's a little mix of fantasy here and ideal landing spot, I don't think London makes it all the way to Green Bay, and what more have we asked for years than a wide receiver to be drafted to Green Bay and early before the sixth or seventh round. So if they go with the first round pick and take Chris Alave of Ohio State, who I absolutely love, and I think there's been way too much prospect fatigue just because we already knew who he was and everybody was excited about the brand new wide receivers breaking out last year. I think Alave is a perfect fit for that offense and getting open. And I'll give you the bonus that if they don't take a wide receiver with one of their first two picks, then maybe in the second round with George Pickens, who is very similar in just shaking coverage like nobody's business. And I think would be another perfect fit for Aaron Rodgers finally getting a wide receiver drafted. What's going on, everybody? This is Ron Boys Robbie here with the 2022 NFL Prospect Breakdown. And today we're talking about Drake London out of University of Southern California. Drake London coming into this year's draft, weighing at 220, standing at 6'4", is going to be an absolute problem for NFL defenses and a great prospect for your NFL fantasy team. And here is why. He's great at the contested catch, great at intermediate routes, has the ability to come back to the ball, and amazing at creating separation. His cons, he's going to need a quarterback that is good enough to be able to throw him open. Also, he may not be as fast as some of the other wide receivers in the class, like the Wilsons and the Olaves, but the kid still has tremendous speed, and his size definitely helps make up for that. On the high end, I see this guy being somewhere around like the next Mike Evans and the perfect NFL landing spot for this kid is going to be the Washington Commanders with Carson Wentz and then Terry McLaurin being the wide receiver one to be able to give London the opportunities to be able to be profitable and fruitful for your fantasy football team. What's going on? My name is Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros. I'm here to tell you about one of my favorite prospects in the whole entire NFL draft process, and that's Damian Pierce running back out of Florida. Now, I understand he's a guy that's not going to be at the top of a lot of people's boards. I absolutely love him. As a prospect that, look, he's probably going to go in on day two, early day three, but he's a player that, look, he could have a fantastic landing spot. I'm currently mocking him to the New Orleans Saints as a player that can not only play on early downs, but in the receiving game, Pierce lined up in the slot or outside on 23% of his snaps at Florida. We have seen the pass game chops out of this guy at the Senior Bowl. He showed that he can win in pass protection, as well as the one-on-one -on -one drills in running routes. Damian Pierce is a guy that's going to be slept on by most don't let this happen. He is a awesome, awesome running back prospect, has the size, has the speed, has the receiving and pass protection chops to win at the NFL level and garner a role, not unlike Alvin Kamara, who came out of SEC school, a little bit underused in college, and garnered a role with this very same team in the middle rounds of the NFL draft. Damian Pierce is a guy not to sleep on, one of my favorite prospects of the 2022 class. Okay, I'm here to tell you about Pierre Strong, running back, South Dakota State Jackrabbits. That is just objectively great. That is an elite mascot right there. This whole fantasy undertaking is supposed to be fun, and nothing says fun like a jackrabbit. Okay, Pierre Strong. Uh, how about 4.37 speed in the 40? That's what he ran at the combine, the fastest running back tested last year. 1,686 rushing yards. Uh, that's phenomenal. 18 touchdowns. 
He's he's the real deal. Uh, how about 10 scoring plays of 50-plus yards in his collegiate career? He is an explosive player, elite speed and athleticism, even by NFL standards. I don't care where he goes. Give me Atlanta. Give me Houston. Give me any spot where he can get 250-plus touches. Whew, we've got a, a fantasy factor on our hands. Those Elijah Mitchell comps, th- those are serious. Those are real. Thank you, Jake Seeley, our pal. Uh, thanks to, to Robbie from Rum Boys. Thanks to Derek Brown and Andy Behrens, who uh, got in just under the wire uh, with his. So thanks, Andy. We appreciate that. Um, should be fun, though. Uh, any any big plans for, for the next couple days of the draft? Uh, I'm basically just watching the draft. And then after that, I have like three comedy shows and back to back to back days. So <laughs> I, I'm going to be just like staying home, relaxing, watching the draft. But I'm, I'm excited for you. You're going to be in Vegas experiencing it firsthand. I will. I'll be walking around. Uh, I will have a microphone and, uh, you know, I'll be trying to talk to people. Maybe if I'm lucky, talk to some players. Uh, I've not talked to some fans, kind of just uh, take the pulse of the place. I, I, the last draft I was at was 2018 in Dallas um, when Baker Mayfield went number one to Cleveland. And that was, that was interesting because uh, you probably remember there was no obvious clear cut number one pick in that draft nobody knew who was going to go number one and it was just this collective i don't know how to sigh of relief or expectation it was just there was all this pent-up anticipation and energy and just kind of released itself in one giant gasp when when roger goodell announced baker mayfield's name so uh i'm very curious i think you'll get a little bit of that um you know i don't know if if the aiden hutchinson uh, anticipation quite matches that sort of thing but I'm, I'm very interested to see how things go in vegas this week should be fun I, i'm interested to see from to hear from you how different the vibe is friday morning than tomorrow morning yeah that's gonna be true <laughs> right like how how hungover is the city going to be uh which look is saying a lot because i mean you now have experienced las vegas firsthand uh that is the definition of a party town so uh, very curious to see what the streets are like Friday morning. <laughs> 7 a.m. There was people still in the casinos when I and I'm that's an everyday thing there. So like I'm just curious to see how, like everyone covering the draft going to be like tired and hungover on Friday morning or or are they going to be you know matching the energy of Thursday? I mean it's what happens when you're in a town where it's filled with rooms that have no windows and no clocks. So you <laughs> never you you know if you're just in the casino all day. You never really know completely what time it is. So uh, yeah, I, some people just turn a, a, a bad night into a good morning or vice versa. I was bouncing around from like casino and there was like a stretch where we didn't even have to go outside, I think, mm-hmm. to like get and and then we came outside and I was like, wait, it's still light out. Like I, I thought it would be dark <laughs> by that time. <laughs> that happens. That that happens uh, when you're in Las Vegas. So, uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. Uh, I will get into town uh, later on this evening and uh, be there for the next Enjoy. couple of days. So it should be fun. Uh, again, thanks to all of our friends who uh, jumped in and helped us with this preview today. Uh, hopefully you all enjoyed it. Hopefully you all will enjoy the draft wherever you are. And you can expect that uh, next week. We will be back and we will uh, sort of recap what happened uh, with the draft, uh, you know, kind of get our winners and losers, the things that we anticipate. By the way, I should also, I guess, take this opportunity to let you guys know uh, NFL Fantasy Live. We will have our draft fallout show 
in just a few weeks. Uh, Friday, May 13th, I believe is the scheduled day for that. Uh, I will let you know more uh, when we get closer and we know more for sure. But uh, just circle it's a save the date. Circle the date on your calendar for May 13th uh, for NFL Fantasy Live. In the meantime, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy the draft. And we'll talk to you next week. 